Hi, I'm Hope Jones, the Director of Pre-K to 8, and welcome to the Darlington Podcast. Today, I'll be talking with Director of the Fine Arts, Kim Tunnell, Theater Director, Shelley Daniel, Choral Director, Alex Johnson, and Pre-K to 8 Music Teacher, Caitlin Terry. Today, we'll be talking about performing arts in the Pre-K 8 Division, and how they provide all of our students with opportunities to build confidence, connections, and compassion. Thank you all for joining us. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more. So I'm really excited to be here today and really talk a bit about um, three of the soft skills of the 21st century, confidence, connection, and compassion. And what an opportunity our students have starting out even in our youngest grades. So I'm going to start out by talking just a bit about um, some of the opportunities that our students have um, in the classroom and um, outside of the classroom in our division. So I'm going to uh, start with you, uh, Kim. Um, tell us a little bit about, as you think about the year and as you plan the year uh, with your faculty in the Fine Arts Department, um, how you really think about those types of soft skills like confidence, connections, and compassion um, as you plan the year. <clears throat> well, I think um, as we get started, you know, our first, we have class plays, of course, that don't start happening until really Christmas is our first class play that we think about with those littles. And I think it takes up until that point to really get to a place that they feel confident. Um, you know, it's happening in their classroom. That's one that um, Jody Deaton does a, a great job, um, you know, learning the, the script. And then I come along and help them with the, the singing. And, and by that time, they really have developed. And of course, that is a result of some of the work that happened in pre-K at the end of the year. So we strategically place, first of all, those particular plays and productions so that it works with the development they're, they're working on in their classes. And I think the teachers have done a really good job to think about how that fits in, with, fits in with their curriculum, and then we're able to connect that with the music curriculum in those classes. So I would say, first of all, with those younger grades, we're very strategic in thinking about what's appropriate, um, what fits their, their skill set, what they're ready for, um, and then we're able to complement that. So I think that would be my first, you know, my, my first thought. If I could jump in on mm -hmm. that, so that reminds me as, um, as um, you and the fine arts um, faculty and the teachers have really looked at scope and sequence and what's important and when we present those things. Um, and as you mentioned, we kind of kick off our play season with our kindergarten play, but that has not always been the case. Um, just a few years back, we actually started in November with a second grade play, um, sort of only to realize that maybe the placement of that play was not as developmentally appropriate as moving it to later in the year. Um, so there are opportunities I know that you have always taken as you, as you look at your curriculum and you look at the scope and sequence to really determine what's the best place and how is that really going to play into the skills that you're trying to work with the students on. Um, so I want to talk just a little bit about our students have opportunities in the performing arts um, to, to really um, learn specific skills within the classroom setting that y'all provide for them, um, but then they also have opportunities uh, where there's an element of sort of informal and formal um, performance elements to that. 
Um, so Caitlin, as you work with kind of our youngest students, um, tell me a little bit about how um, you work with the students in the classroom um, to sort of uh, explicitly teach certain skills um, and then how you sort of pull those things together as, as you're working towards maybe a culminating performance. Well, I think with littles, you, you have to make it, you can't make it about you're singing a song in front of people because that kind of makes them a little bit nervous. So a lot of what we do is experience first, like they're experiencing a quarter note before I ever tell them what it is or a half note before I tell them what it is. And then slowly we kind of put those little pieces together and we're like, hey, didn't this note sound longer than this one? Oh, let me explain to you why. And so it's very low pressure in my classroom and we do a lot of song games. So when they're singing, it doesn't feel like they're just singing a song for me and I'm like, okay, it has to be perfect. It feels more like, oh, I'm playing a game and there's a song that goes with this game. So instead of it being about the singing, it kind of takes that away for them and it just, it allows them to play and experience that more than they are performing. So by the time performances do come around, like in the fall, during Halloween, at Christmas, I mean, these kids have a lot of performances that they have to do. By the time those things come around, it's not so scary because they've been doing these songs all semester. They feel comfortable and it just, it's a fun experience for them more than anything else. Well, that's, that's such a powerful thing because one of the things that um, I think that y'all do really well um, in your classroom settings is you really focus on the process as the most important element of it as you're building and you're scaffolding those skills. Um, and then the performance simply becomes a culmination of that where they can pull all those pieces together. But process is where it's sort of the behind the scene when you sort of move the curtain and Oz is behind the scene, you can sort of see that all of those uh, uh, building blocks are there. Um, Shelly, jump right in. I'd love to tag on to what Caitlin said. I think when we talk about scope and sequence, as they're getting these preliminary skills, we move in my class to sort of the, the next set, which is now we begin to think about the audience and what does it mean to communicate with the audience, to give and receive that energy, to actually have a little bit more pressure now. We're ready for this kind of pressure. And how do I push through those feelings of nerves? How do I stand under the spotlight now because we've, we've built these great foundational skills and now we're ready to build that muscle of facing pressure head on which i think is a great skill as they move forward in life um it's, it's that time once they get to me sixth and eighth grade so trying to kind of keep that in the lane and and allow them to experience that allow them to overcome it i think is a great skill you know, one of the things that's just incredible about the fine arts is the opportunity that our students have to really, one, be exposed to a lot of opportunities very young um, in our program. And then as they transition, um, you know, as they transition into those upper, um, lower grades and into the middle grades and of course into the upper school, um, they start to make choices. They start to sort of dabble a bit um, in different things and find passions and um, things like that. How, how do you foster that? Because sometimes you'll have a student, uh, and this question is probably a little more for Alex and a little more for Shelly um, and, and maybe Kim, but you have students that, um, you know, 
may sort of take a leap of faith and say, okay, I'm going to sign up for this particular uh, class in the middle school and maybe try something I've not tried before. Um, and then you have the student in the same class that is known since they were in kindergarten. That was exactly the class they were taking in middle school. And you have such a wide variety in that same setting. Um, and middle school is a beautiful place where that takes place, uh, where it is sort of an opportunity for you as the teachers to sort of foster that and massage that. So, Alex, I'm going to throw this one to you. So, because I, I just I love your class and I kind of like to see that happen, and that happens every time your class meets. I think it's about building relationship with each individual student. I think that's what it boils down to, and I think I do a good job of that sometimes and a bad job of that other other times. But it's about getting to know each student, what they want, what kind of songs they might want to sing, what kind of activities they might want to do, whether it's a composition thing or um, if they want to get better at rhythm rather than singing specifically. It's about getting to know each student what they want and how to foster that individual goal in the scope of the full group. Um, and that's what I try to do. I try to give them ownership and I try to give them choices on you know, I let um, the boys in middle school pick a song and I let the girls in middle school pick a song. I narrowed down the songs. They had a choice of two songs, <laughs> but they got to pick and that gives them ownership and it gives them um, a reason to want to be there and a reason to want to stay and a reason to want to sing better because they like the song. Right. That, that's a great point to, to sort of one of the soft skills is understanding the bit about connections, um, whether it be connections that your students are making. As we all know, middle schoolers um, at times pick classes based on where their friends are. Um, and so that can become challenging because sometimes it isn't the best placement for that particular child based on that course. Maybe um, they should be encouraged to maybe try something different. But I think what happens there is you're finding ways to actually connect, whether it be through music that they're interested in um, or opportunities that there can be some additional um, connections that can be made. Um, any, Shelly, back to you, any surprises there? Any surprises where you might have a student that has um, signed up for a drama that particular year and you're really uh, thinking this is going to be an interesting challenge. Um, I'm not sure this is what the child really wants to do. Um, and somehow through connection and confidence and compassion, you just turn that child around. And you don't even have to mention names, but I'm sure no. there's some in your mind. Well, I love what Alex said about the relationships. I think one of our jobs in the fine arts is to help students to unlock those things that are hidden inside. And I think sometimes a student will come into our classroom and there is a little whisper in the back of their mind and they know what maybe that gift is, but they're afraid to express it. And I think cr us creating an environment that feels safe, that feels, um, you know, that, that, that feels compassionate and where we support each other. I think building, I spent the first month just building that foundation that, that, that we're an ensemble and everyone is safe. And this is a place where we need to unlock those hidden gifts. And you find, and also making connections between the things that they are doing. Maybe they're in athletics and helping them understand how many of those gifts that we see on the playing field absolutely align to what we're doing in the arts and how this can just fill out their experience at Darlington and their own per ability to express themselves as an individual. Um, that's when it gets really exciting. And, and then we watch those, those doors unlock and, and then there's support from the peers and then it just sort of um, begins to grow exponentially. It's a really, really fun thing to watch. And the next thing you know, you have somebody that's doing it in high school 
or they see it or the parent sees it says wow you know I always knew this was there but they were afraid to to kind of unlock that door um, I mean as teachers that's really what we're in the business of doing is helping them make those connections to either if you want to go forward as an artist that's great but it may be that you have another career path that these foundational skills in the arts are going to serve well that brings me to my next question <laughs> Um, because how, you know, and this question kind of is, is for, for all of you to really sort of think about, um, how do those skills that you're teaching in that class, whether it be really your hard skills or your soft skills that you're working on with those students, how do they translate beyond your classroom, beyond the fine arts department? Um, I think about that every morning when we're at Flagpole um, in the Pre-K-8 division, and I talk about when you make announcements, being able to project. We have to be able to hear an announcement that you're making. And I'll, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, where do those skills start? That's just one example. But how does that translate? How, I mean, Kim, how does that translate? How, how are those skills that we're teaching there, are we really giving them some life skills moving forward? Oh, I definitely think so. I think, um, you know, from the, the opportunity just when you, I, I'm sure Caitlin did this, when you come into a music class and you're introducing yourself because you're new to the class and the teacher's new, the students are new, all of that, you know, it starts there. I mean, it starts from introducing yourself. It starts from, you know, reminding them of um, and modeling what it looks like. I think a lot about how we model what we do. Teachers, I mean, our students are watching us all the time. Um, so that's just there, um, you know, foundationally um, to begin with. But I, then I think of places where um, just standing, like you were talking about, Caitlin, with by the time they're performing, it's fun. They're not thinking about, you know, where my hands are, what my face is doing. They're not thinking about any of that because it's become natural. So I think that's our goal is to make it as natural as possible. Now, when we get to middle school, it's a little bit different because things change. I mean, they just do. And I think middle school is a, a big transition for them. And so what we're working on there is to still try to make them think about it being fun and the opportunity that you have. And so, you know, I, I don't know that we have a checklist and we're going, okay, well, we've done that, we've done this. But I think we are, because of what we organically do and our purpose and our goal of getting the kids to this point with this either production or this song or you know whatever it is that we're working on for them to present. You know, I think about in our curriculum, we have creating, presenting or performing, responding and connecting. Well, in all of those, there's an opportunity to present. You know, you create, you talk about it, you talk about it with a, a friend, but any of those things that we already do, we want to make them as natural as possible so that transition on the stage or in a different place is just natural. I think that's really how I agree. I agree, and I think, I think when you talk about connections, I, I think in the world of theater, we have this approach to character called outside-in approach. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, the, you know, we begin with those, those skills where we're presenting. And as they move forward and gain confidence, then we move to those sort of internal skills like grit 
and resilience and empathy. You know, we began to really think about how we internalize some of these skills. Oh, wow, I got up, I, I did that. What, what did it take for me to get up and do that? And the next time we do it, we realize I've built some grit. Like I've built some confidence. And I, th I think even not only connecting to each other, but connecting those skills to more, more an internal um, character kind of uh, approach to looking at the arts, I think we benefit in many ways um, as, we, as we look at the scope and sequence of how we move forward with our programs. I think they're valuable. And I also think going back to what Shelley said earlier, it's, it's about being vulnerable, holding nervousness, and continuing forward at the same time, being able to do both at the same time. The arts allow you the space to do that, to be nervous, but to still do the thing. And so I think, especially with singing, it's one of the most vulnerable things you could ever do in front of an audience. And even in college, um, the people who were in choir never had issues with public speaking because you put yourself in these really vulnerable spaces where you have to be silly in front of a crowd. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they don't. You have to sing in front of a crowd. Sometimes they ooh and ah, and sometimes they don't. And so you are training yourself to, to feel that, but also to be okay with it and to keep doing the thing that you love. And so I think when you do that and you practice that in musical, in drama, in choir, in all of these different ways, in band, um, it allows you to do the, the, how do you say, the general curriculum, like public speaking and presenting something, those things become a little bit easier because you become more acclimated with the feelings of that and just working through that all the time. You know, that's <clears throat> such an interesting point. Um, you know, it's, 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 our day is full, you know, um, as we look at the schedule, our day is absolutely full. And we were very fortunate in the pre-K-8 um, division because really all of our students, um, from the moment they step into the division to the moment they um, depart eighth grade, they are in the arts. Um, they are participating in some capacity. Um, and we have opportunities where um, we have challenges, I think, which your department has done very well on sort of addressing those challenges. And the challenge being there's just not enough hours in the day uh, for the kind of interests that our students have, right? So, um, and, and our ultimate goal is we're creating lifelong learners in, um, in the field of performing arts and visual arts and, and that sort of thing. And so, you're always looking at ways, which you can add to your own platter, I can see, uh, but you're always looking for ways of, of where are there opportunities that we can engage with students beyond the actual you know, school day because children are in so many things and we have children in so many interests. So you may have children that are um, maybe in the band or they're in um, the orchestra and they may not have an opportunity in drama or may not have an opportunity uh, to participate in the choral program and y'all have really looked for ways to address that. Uh, which brings me to, sort of to my next question. Uh, this year we're sort of bringing back uh, the opportunity for a musical uh, in the pre-k-8 so uh, this year we're going back to one that uh, uh, we did many 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 years ago um, called annie jr and so it has created quite a buzz and an excitement among our students and it's going to give our students 
um, an opportunity. So Caitlin, can you talk just a bit about um, Annie Jr. and what that's sort of looking like as, as you were right at the beginning of that? Yeah, the musical is so fun. It's been the most fun so far. It's kind of taken me back to high school and choreographing things and um, singing these musical theater songs. But I think what's really special about the musical is that it bridges a really big gap between third through eighth grade and it allows these students to have relationships with each other who I don't I don't know if they would have otherwise interacted or met. Um, and it also gives a lot of them the opportunity to sing and to be free in, in the thing that they love doing without feeling so much pressure. There's something about playing a character where it suddenly becomes not yourself and you're, you're just doing this thing that feels outside of yourself but it allows the individual student to still really shine and to showcase all of their capabilities. So even students who I give voice lessons to are sometimes really nervous and timid. And then as soon as we have a musical rehearsal, they're like singing their hearts out in front of everyone and they don't care or they're dancing and acting and they're being silly. And so it just provides a space for those students who might feel a little nervous to do the really big scary things to do it with a group who's doing it alongside them, who's being vulnerable, and there's this there's a shared vulnerability, and it's it's just a really great experience for the third graders because it's kind of it's kind of they're just getting into it, and then also for the eighth graders to have some leadership and and to show like it, it's okay, like I'm nervous, but it's gonna be okay, and so there's this big sister, little sister, big brother, little brother thing kind of going on, and it's it's really sweet and special. You know, we're so fortunate here at Darlington that um, pre-K-8 is one division, that it isn't really split into a lower school and a middle school, but it's actually one division that navigates in that space together. And this is a perfect opportunity of why that's such a gift, an opportunity to have a musical where children in third grade can audition and um, children all the way up to eighth grade can audition and they can work within that space and they can work within that afternoon and giving eighth graders and just the older middle school uh, students an opportunity to mentor with the younger ones um, is such a blessing um, and I think because they are connected within that environment um, it really naturally fosters some of that um, and you know to that point it sort of lays the foundational piece, and I'm sure Shelly's sitting here thinking, this is so awesome that the middle school musical, or the three, or the Thatcher musical is coming back, right? Because it totally feeds into um, really the scope and sequence of the opportunities um, that we afford our students when they get to the upper school. And we want students to stay within the arts, you know. Um, you know, we want them to stay in the arts beyond a ninth grade year, um, that that's built into their schedule and what's important to them. Um, and so that's a perfect example of, of uh, an opportunity that is checking numerous boxes. Um, Shelly, let's talk a little bit about the, the middle school play. I guess it's been maybe since the pandemic. We began, we began with a sort of two shows, a sh very short, you know, 15, 20 minute online plays. And, it, and the students read a lot of scripts. We have a, a kind of a page to stage study. So we do a lot of script reading and then we picked one, we, we produced it online. And the next year we just sort of evolved and said, well, let's just try this on stage, you know, produce it in class. And it was just such a hit that we're, we're doing it again this year. The students read, I don't know, maybe six one acts. And then everyone voted on their favorite, which one, 
sort of con- they connected with the most and and we've been uh, in formal rehearsals so they're learning that process of how to how to audition and how to deal with a cast list coming out and maybe the excitement or disappointment with that how to work together with um, rehearsals and costuming and will be under lights and all that this will be during the school day so they don't have to come after school if they have sports so like you said this allows an opportunity for students who maybe double booked after school to still get to do a play. It's a one act, it's a straight play called uh, Bedtime Stories as Told by My Dad. And we have 23 students who are in it. It's gonna be performed in the black box. Um, And then the upper school students will be running tech on that. So they'll be running lights and sound, they'll be stage managing. So you talk about that, that connection with kids coming up, we're allowing the upper school students now to mentor them and begin to make those relationships, build those relationships, um, which we saw last year with new students coming in as freshmen. They had already begun to build those relationships with the upper school students because they had worked with them in the black box on their spring show. So yeah, it's exciting. Well, and and to that point, we, you're also talking about one of the things that y'all work into um, the process that you have with your students is that you learn to work within that space, right? So you're learning to work within your classroom space and you're learning what a performance space looks like, an opportunity. Sometimes you're using the commons, which doesn't look like a performing space, but it transforms into a performing space to um, transitioning to the black box and learning to work within a black box space, um, <laughs> transitioning over to the chapel, you know, and being able to perform in the chapel. I mean, you are working the performance um, and them understanding that the performance space is part of the skill building in and of itself, right? Um, the challenges that you have when you're performing in uh, the Van Ness Arena, Um, and sound challenges that you have as an artist, right? And how you translate that with your students to the challenges that you have in the chapel in terms of um, sound and and other things. So those are all built in. I mean, you're really looking at this from sort of a 360 view and how that sort of plays into the piece. Um, And as our students sort of end their journey through Thatcher, um, obviously our goal and our hope is that they continue with the arts. and you know, we would love for them to continue with the performing arts and the visual arts and really dabble even in some media arts and other things um, and, and try new things. And I think that uh, your encouragement within your department um, and really sort of exposing them to so many different elements of it um, and really focusing on um, how important the process is, they really start to see those connections. Um, you really are building what we would call confident contributors. Um, from the very start. Um, So thank you today for really joining us. Um, You've really just given a little insight into what it's like to be a part of the Fine Arts Department um, in the Pre-K-8. And we will have lots of opportunities um, to watch performances um, this spring. Y'all have a very busy, busy schedule ahead of you. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. We're glad that you tuned in to this episode of the Darlington Podcast. Tune in each week wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. You can check out today's show notes at darlingtonschool.org backslash podcast. If you have any questions about today's program or ideas for a future episode, send an email to communications at darlingtonschool.org. 
The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is alumni-produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at www.darlingtonschool.org slash podcast.